welcome to season three of Gill Athletics Connection Podcast. If this is your first time here, we're so excited you hit the play button today. If you like what you hear, check out our library of hundreds of past guests that is sure to give you value. For everyone else, we're so happy you've come back. Quick favor, if you haven't already, consider taking a minute to rate and review the podcast. This simple act helps amplify these amazing stories, and we just love to hear your feedback. Heck, we may even read it out loud in a future episode. Okay, that's enough of an intro, right? Let's get to it. See what today's guest has in store for us. All right. Thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. I'm just so humbled to be your host. My name is Mike Cunningham. Once again, bringing you just amazing people who happen to choose coaching as a profession. And that's really kind of precious because uh, these smart individuals could be doing a lot of different things and yet they choose to coach track. So uh, help me welcome today's guest. I'm super excited to welcome the head coach of Benedictine University in the great state of Illinois, Mr. Zontavius Johnson. Coach, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Just want to, um, really quick though, uh, I'm the head women's coach. We, uh, they split the program into three programs. So we have a head men's coach and a cross country head coach as well. So is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're, <laughs> when we get to where you are now, I want to explore that. That's interesting. Cause that yeah, sounds fairly unique. Having that set up like that. Mm, yes. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, man, I'm just uh, so excited. Thanks for joining us today. We um, we're kind of in this hot streak of amazing coaches. And I feel like uh, hitting here in February now that we're just continuing that on, man. So I'm just super glad to have you on the podcast. You've got podcast experience yourself, which I love. That means, you know what I'm going through on this side of the mic. So, you know yes, how do. it is. <laughs> yes, I do. And, and, and I definitely want to commend you because I started one with me and Lamont Johnson and we got about 20 to 25 episodes in, and I just could not keep up with the, the editing, the demand. So I know how I know how time consuming it can be, especially if, if you want it to be good. And you've done an amazing job, Mike. I mean, amazing job. Because you've okay. done what over a hundred of these things. <laughs> yeah. so it's, 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 I think, it's tough work, but it's a great product. So well, thank you so much for that. That means a lot. And what I love about podcast is they're evergreen content. And what I mean by that is they never die, right? Unless you yep. pick them off, right? So I would like to plug, I know you don't do the podcast anymore, but I'm pretty sure it's still up on, it, you, you didn't take it down, right? It's No, it's still up. I don't yes. even know how to take it down. It's still up. I saw it. I was, um, I'm, I'm on this journey of, of, of either reading a book or doing audio books um, this year. Oh, nice. And I was on I was on Apple Music the other day, and it was still up. So yeah, it's still up there. So what 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 was the name of the podcast? Because you had some great guests, and I think they're the, the the guests you had. Their journeys are important. So I'd love for people to go and check out your backlog there. It I, is. Oh God. I was it Coach Z? Did you did you go that route? It's ca- oh, catching some Z's. There it is. Catching Catch, some Z's. Catching some Z's. Which, if I would have advised you, terrible name. <laughs> Because you don't know how many Z's are in Z's, Zontavius. <laughs> so if you start typing in catching some Z and then stop when it eventually autofills, because yeah, it's he, not, he, it's, he, he don't even know how many Z's were in that. that I a, don't. I that really was a don't. That was a and I'm trying to look at. So that's what. That's how you know I'm a coach, right? But that's what happens when you get bored and you get locked in the house, and you got to come up with something. So Lamont was like, "Come up with a name," and I was like, "Well, we can't use Johnson and Johnson. That's kind of taken." Um, I don't know. Catching some Z's? I don't know. So, I would have went with that. I like that. You know, risk being sued. I like that. That was that's better than a, a, a num, unnumber a name number of Z's. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad. I, I, I don't even know. What, I don't know. I'll, I'm gonna find it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'll, find it and send it to me, and we'll have it yep. in the show notes because okay. he had him and Lamont had some amazing guests, and Absolutely. I think that's super super important. In fact, I I still plug uh, my man Brandon Morton's. Uh, 
uh, podcast because he had two people on there that, you know, really legacy people that uh, people need to hear their stories. John Smith was on Brandon's uh, podcast and Bev Kearney was on his podcast. And those are two people that I have not had in partly because Brandon did it and did a great job, but uh, the guest you had, you guys had on as well, super important. So I just want to make sure, even though I know you're not active with it anymore, that we plug that because that back catalog of people that you had on there, that journey, those journeys are, are super important. Well, let's get to today's journey. So we're going to flip it. You've been on the other, other <clears throat> excuse me, on the other side, interviewing people. We're, we get to turn the tables here and learn about your journey. Uh, Coach, where do we start? Let's go back. Where does track start for you? Were you a high school track athlete? But start with it wherever it begins. So for me, it was one of those things. So I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Funny side note to that, me and Hassan actually raced against each other. Hassan Stamps, we, we realized this the other day. We were up, he was up in Chicago the other day, but we'll get to that later. But um, um, so, I, so I grew up in Atlanta, I grew up in Stone Mountain, Georgia, actually. Um, and football was my sport. Mm-hmm. Um, ran, uh, played football, played baseball growing up in the youth levels. Got to high school, got to Stone Mountain High School. And I transferred to Stone Mountain High School second quarter freshman year. And so we had just finished football season at my previous school. and you know, I'm thinking, okay, I'm gonna go play baseball. I'm gonna try baseball in high school. I met baseball and I was told uh, by the wide receiver coach at the time, if you plan on playing football for me, um, I need to see you at track practice. Oh, well, y'all can have this. uh, Yeah, so y'all can have this um, baseball glove back. I'm gonna go on over here to this track and see what's going on. And that was kind of my introduction to track. And uh, literally the first track meet I ran in was like two weeks later. And I was told, hey, we put you in these hurdles over here. Go run the hurdles, and we put you in high jump. Um, I don't know how to do any of them. <laughs> well, yeah, say, so, first of all, hold on. Let's pause right there for a second, because yeah. I thought you were going to tell the horror story of the football coach saying if you want to play football here, because Stone Mountain football is no joke. That's a, an amazing area for high school football, and that high school is really, really good. I grew up just across the way in Alabama, so I, okay. I, I know Georgia so, so you're, but, but you're familiar really with well. Southern football, and but, yes. but for us, football and track goes hand in hand in Georgia. Yeah. It, just, um, it, was, it was a, because for us, spring football started before track season. So you would do spring football and then track season would start. So there's no conflict in Georgia. Yeah, and see, so we, we did not have that attitude where I grew up. Football. <laughs> it was uh, you come to spring football and uh, your track is going to get in the way. Sorry, not sorry. It's not because you're going to do spring football. So I love that that coach was like, oh, no, no, you playing football. You were but, running track. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he was. It, he was the wide receiver coach. He was the track coach. He was like, well, all of my guys run track. So awesome. either you're going to run or you're going to find a new school. And since I just <laughs> got there, I don't think finding a new school was an option. So. <laughs> No, I want the track. The um, answer was defined already. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was not. A, it's. It's funny because when I get to how I started coaching track, it started the same way. <laughs> but well, uh, well, well, let's learn. He threw you in the hurdles. Now it's threw me thing, in the hundred and ten hurdles. I say it's yeah. one thing to throw somebody in like a quarter or something like this, but the hurdles. No practice before. No, I got to the meet. My very first meet. I got to the meet, and it was uh, you're running the hundred and ten hurdles. What? I don't know how to do this. And, oh, and by the way, you're high jumping and long jumping. I was like, what do you mean? He said, I've seen you jump a million times. You can jump. You'll be fine. And I'm just like, mm, okay. But I go out and I run, whatever. I run, I run like 15 low. And it was like, hey, you can do this. I was like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing. But then the odd part about it was we never went back and practiced it. We never really practiced hurdles. It was always... Let's go run. Let's go run some 300s. Let's go run some 200s. And then get to the meet. You're going to run hurdles again. 
So it's like, oh God. So that's how my freshman year started. I just ran hurdles. Um, just at the meet, no practice, just running hurdles. You know, now what I love about stories like this is because we're interviewing you 20, 30 years after the fact. So we have perspective, right? We have hindsight. Oh, yeah. When you look back at it now, I mean, that's pretty amazing to not practice the hurdles at all and run 15 low. If you'd have said 16 low or even crashed out, I'd be like, well, yeah, of course you didn't practice at all. But for your inaugural hurdles, 15 low, that's that's pretty good, my friend. What, what do you think it was now that you look back on it? Were, were you just athletic? Were you just able um, to watch other people do it and mimic it? So I, so I was the little kid growing up that would do backflips and jump off of pretty much anything. And I mean anything, school buses, side of houses, didn't matter. I was that, yeah, I can do that. And so when I got the track, it was, he was like, I saw you the other day jump over that fence, like in two steps, do the same thing. <laughs> and so I did the same thing. And, you know, just looking back at it now from, from a coaching side, um, I was never taught, you know, how many steps to the first hurdle, never taught, um, you know, where to take off from it. It just, for me, it came natural. It was like, I would run and jump over fences the same way. Wow. And so it was like, I just kept doing that. And I got faster and it just, I got faster. I got taller um, and it just kept coming natural. And then the more I would do it, the more I would see people around me do it. Like I, like I ran against freshman year, I was, um, this was after Angelo Taylor and Terrence Tramiel, but then sophomore, junior, senior year, I had to deal with uh, Angelo Taylor's younger brother, Corey Taylor. Corey, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then my senior year, I had to deal with Josh Walker. Mm. And then later I found out it was Hassan Stamps as well. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's I, I pretty much learned how to hurdle by getting my butt whooped by some of those guys <laughs> until I was able to go back home and start doing it on myself and then got better. But um, for me, it was track was one of those things where I'm doing this because I got to go play football because I want to go play football. Right. And, uh, but I ended up loving track. So it, it worked out. So I was going to ask because, you know, I'm a huge hurdle fan. Did you like after that first rate, did you immediately fall in love? But you maybe kind of answer that because you're like, yeah, it was a ends to a means so I could play football. Well, it, I didn't fall in love with it. I wanted to run the hundred. But I wasn't fast enough. Like I like we had some really fast guys on the team, and I wanted to run the hundred because that's where everybody was at. But you know, it, it it worked out to where I was like the only person on the team that competed every track meet because hmm. I did three events that nobody on the team wanted to do. Uh -huh. I did the hurdles, I did the high jump, and I did the long jump. And long jump and high jump, we didn't have a coach for, so it was like, hey, figure it out. I was I was one of the long I was one of the high jumpers that started in the middle. And ran that half circle and no. jumped. Um, yes, I ran forever and then jumped. And but it worked. But it, it worked out. Um, I ended up jumping around six five six six five six six in high school. Um, and was a twenty one foot long jumper without really knowing what I was doing. Right. Um, but but once again, for me, it was a hobby at first until I got senior year. I got kind of serious. I ended up running um, sub fourteen. Um, and had opportunities to, 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 to do both in college. And then I get to senior year of high school, like last day, last play of two-a-day football camp, I break my right ankle. I, to this day, I have a plate in my right ankle with eight screws in it um, that has had Soji on it three times since. Um, and so I missed all of senior year football. Uh, I can't, well, I got my doctor to clear me for senior night. <laughs> And he told me, I'll see you back here on Monday. 
Yeah, that was in 1999. That was October 1999. I haven't seen them since. <laughs> wow. And so I, I went on and played senior night in the two playoff games, uh, which was, in hindsight, really horrible idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't play basketball season my senior year, went out the track and got to the state meet with no issues um, in the 110 hurdles. We were in the state finals, gun goes off. I leave the block, I get to the first hurdle, and my ankle locks up on me as I leave the ground. I crash or hurdle one. And so at that time, you know, you got to finish the race to get your mouth. So I basically just walked over each hurdle until I got to the finish line and finished. Um, And I thought that was going to be the end of track for me. I was like, I'm done with it. I'm going to stick to football. Um, Let's get to football now. Um, You know, ended up going to, because of getting injured in the season, ended up at that time, you know, there's no Twitter, there's no, <laughs> there's no social media to kind of pub yourself with, with colleges. So I ended up going to middle Georgia junior college, mm-hmm. um, played football there. And me and a bunch of the guys there ran in a bunch of unattached meets yeah. um, because we didn't have a track team, but we had a track. Mm-hmm. And one of the guys will say, my high school coach said, Hey, we can just go as unattached. So we went to about five or six unattached track meets. I, I ran the hurdles there. Um, I went, 1380 over the 42s. Uh, okay. Um, and so hold on. Let's pause here. Cause that's, <laughs> cause that, I was going to ask him like, so how was it over the 42s? But you just answered that. But, but, but before we six get six two, so it, it didn't really bother me. Yeah. Let me tell you what, there are plenty of six, two people <laughs> who ain't running 1380 in the 60 hurdles, my friend, let's not, uh, let's not downplay what 1380 is. But, but first, before we get continue on the athleticism, when you were going to college, what were you thinking for academics and for a career? Was coaching at all in your mind or were you um, on some other path? Um, so first of all, my, my background, my mom's a minister, my dad's a, a pastor. So oh, wow. I, my, my entire life growing up, I spent in the church. And so I've, I've always told you're going to be leader of young people. I've mm-hmm. always told. And so, but in the church room, it was, you're going to be a youth pastor. Youth pastor. Mm-hmm. I fought that thing tooth and nail to this day like no that's not what I want to do um but coaching kind of I'm the oldest one of the oldest males in my family and I have tons of cousins and nieces and nephews and so I've always been around younger kids I've always they've always gravitated towards me so when I decided to go into coaching it came natural but it was not in my mind my my mindset was I'm gonna go to college I'm gonna play football for four years and then I'm gonna go play professional football um, that was the goal. That was that was plan A. That was plan B. That was probably wow. plan C through Z, honestly. Yeah. Um, and so then I got to junior college. I played ball. I was pretty good there. But not knowing the rules, which is why as a high school coach, I was such a stickler for making sure my athletes knew the rules. Um, not knowing the rules and not knowing that your clock started once you started a full-time student. Mm. Uh, looked up. I only had two years left to play football if I went to Division I. Right. Um, had an opportunity to go to the University of Kentucky to play football. And possibly one track um, that was on the table, but it was one of those things where I would have only had one year, maybe two years left of football. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, nah. Albany State, which is a, a Division II HBCU down in Albany, Georgia, which mm-hmm. to this day I think was the best decision I ever made. I was able to go there because I had three seasons to play. Um, went there and we had tremendous success on the football field. Um, track wasn't an option because it was one of those things where I was told, Yes, you can go run track, but you got to do spring football too. Mm. Mm, I don't know if you've been to Albany, Georgia. You're from Alabama, so you're familiar with the heat. We're talking 115 in the summertime, talking about doing a track practice, then a football practice, or vice versa. No, thank you. I'm going to catch these footballs. <laughs> and so, you know, I did that, played football, did my three years there, had an opportunity to 
make some tryouts to different little leagues and travel and play football a little bit, which is what kind of led me to Illinois. I ended up moving here. I signed with the Chicago Rush mm-hmm. and ended up moving here. The week before I moved here, I had got rid of my place in Atlanta. The week before I moved here, I um, was told that the league had shut down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I called my agent like, um, sir, I need a team. I don't have a place to stay. I don't have any money coming in. So he found me a team, the Rockford Raptors down yeah. in Rockford, Illinois. Yeah. Anybody that, if, if you think, if you think in Rockford, yes, it's the same Rockford as a league of their own in the Rockford Peaches. Mm-hmm. Had no clue what that was until I got to Rockford. People kept telling me, oh, that's what the Rockford Peaches were. What is that? Ooh. A league of their own? Okay, let me go watch this. And so, lady softball movie. You know, so I, I didn't know that. But I spent I spent a year in, in hotels in Rockford, Illinois. About six months, seven months in Rockford, Illinois, um, eating Hooters, because that's what they fed us. And playing and playing arena football, and then I um, eventually moved up to Chicago with my wife. Um, well, which, who, who's now my wife? We've been there for twelve years now, and um, that's when the journey for me with track started. I got up to Chicago. Um, I was coaching high school football, okay. um, and then the coach I was coaching under got a new job at North Lundell Prep, so I followed him over there to coach football. I was walking through the building. They hired me in the building. So I was walking through the building. The principal at the time, who's now one of my great friends and one of my mentors, LaKel Pratt, she saw me in the building. She was like, I heard you talking to the guys about you used to run track. And I was like, yeah. She was like, that's interesting. My track coach, who was Craig Collins, who you've had on the podcast, um, had just left. She was like, you're my new track coach. I was like, mm, what do you mean? I've, I've never, co-. she said, you're my new track coach. I was like, but I, I coach in football. She said, but you're my new track coach. I'm, I'm going to go tell Chris Kelly, who was our CEO at the time, that we just hired you as a new track coach. So I was like, okay, so what do I do? <laughs> and so, you know, it's, it's one of those things, like, I went into this thing the first year. The first year, I have, I've continuously apologized to that first group of kids I've had, mm-hmm. because that first year was um, not the best, because I had I'd never experienced coaching track and field mm-hmm in the Midwest where it was indoors, in a, mm-hmm. in a hallway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I came into the mentality of coaching the same way that I was coached in high school, mm-hmm. um, which as I've gotten more into coaching education and learning more and been around it more, learned that it was God awful way of coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that first group, it was, that first year was just bad. Like we, we had some kids make it down the state, but it was just bad. They were just talented kids. Um, and, and, and I tell them that all the time. And then after that, it was okay. If I'm going to do this for real, let's go into this thing the same way I, I, I attacked football coaching. And so the first thing I did was I sought out who I consider the Mount Rushmore of coaches here in Illinois on the high school level. I sought out Derek Calhoun. I called him. I, I, I emailed him. It took him like a month to get back to me. I was like, just how do you do what you do at Morgan Park? I'm on the west side of Chicago. How do you do that? And what can I do here? He said, I'll give you two pieces of advice and that's it. He said, one, figure out what you want to be and be that. And two, build your team around the quarter miles. And I took the build your team around the quarter miles to heart and ran with it. And every team I've ever coached has been built around the quarter miles and they've been pretty good. Um, So So so. it's apparent that you were on the path to be a coach from an early onset. 
Yep. What, when you, so I love that you reached out, you know, the first year, first year is always tough, right? Like we always coach, we, we fall back to coaching how we were coached. In fact, yep. I, I just had a conversation with someone this past weekend about that and how I believe the real, um, I don't want to call it Renaissance, but we're going to have in about 10 to 20 years from now, I think track and field is going to look, we're going to make what is happening today dwarf in 10 to 20 years. And we're doing some amazing things in track and field, right? You just saw the Olympics and NCAAs are amazing every year. But because of what coaching education has been for the past 10 years and this next 10 years, that means more kids are being coached by better coaches. So when they fall back and coach how their coaches coached, it will be at a much higher level than Hey, absolutely. I, put, I put you in the hurdles this meet. <laughs> so absolutely. So I love that you reached out to Derek Calhoun. You had Craig Collins. You followed him. That's awesome. Two great Gill podcast alums there. What else were you doing when you, I love that you said you apologized to your first guys. Cause. Oh yeah. I, I apologize to them. I love that humility. So what yeah, were you they, doing besides reaching out to some of those guys man, for your own coaching education? Well, the first, the first year I reached out to Derek Calhoun. I reached out to Nino Fenoy of East St. Louis. Matter of fact, mm-hmm. I went down to East St. Louis. I'm like, I just want to watch our practice yeah um and then i reached out to someone who's who's become a good friend too barbara montgomery who's the head coach of springfield southeast mm-hmm. to me those are the mount rushmore of coaches in mm-hmm. the state of illinois i don't Certainly. care what anybody says um the record speaks for itself mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you know i reached out to them and, and they all gave me different tidbits on you know how to attack this thing mm-hmm. um and then i learned about years of track and field level one so then i took in 20 11 i went to i went home to atlanta and, and they had a level one school there mm-hmm. so i did level one school in atlanta um and so that kind of started piquing my interest and then i did the u.s what is it ust fccca mm-hmm. i did their level one mm-hmm. um and so from there i just started just started learning um i started um i started paying for myself to go to the convention mm-hmm. um and so i started going to the u.s the the u.s the usf CCA convention. Mm-hmm. I've been going to that thing since 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, most of those years have been out of my own pocket. So my wife is looking at me like, um, this is kind of expensive. I was like, I, but I got to go. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I started, started networking with college coaches and started networking with just other high school coaches and just, and just learning as, as much as I could. Right. Um, and then trying to figure out what can I use in this 50 meter hallway? Cause we legitly had a right. 50 meter hallway. So North Lundell prep shares a building with Collins high school. The building split in half. We have a 50 meter hallway that we could use. Well, actually it's 46 meters cause there's a door and a frame at the end. So right. we got 46 meters we can use on a good day when Collins wasn't using the other side, we could open up both of the doors and we could scratch out to the gym and get about 120 meters in. Oh, wow. Um, but the thing about that 120 meters, it's a door frame, mm-hmm. a door frame, a door frame. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't have elbows in, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't feel well. You don't have elbows. <laughs> yeah, you don't have elbows. Um, so we've had a couple of people that have um, had a few bumps and bruises with their elbows on those things. But um, it, it's so you, then you start just looking at and trying to figure out how can I implement what I'm learning through coaching education and from other coaches, how can I put that into play in this 40 meter hallway, right? Because we still got to develop things. And I tell people all the time, when I was at North Lundell Prep, the goal wasn't, the success wasn't rated on how many titles and championships that we can win. The success was rated on how many young people can we get out of the West side of Chicago and get off the school. And in eight years, I think that number was like 46 or 47. And so we, 
I tell people all the time when they ask me about my story, West Side of Chicago is a, Chicago itself is a high school basketball town. So when I got to North Lundell Pup, it was a basketball school. Like they got, they've had state titles on the men's side. They've got, you know, they great school. Lewis stuff is an awesome coach over there. So they, they had a great success. And so when I got there, I tell people all the time, when I got there, we went from being West Side good to Chicago good, to state good, to finally having national caliber athletes there. And we did all of that on a 50 meter hallway for the most part. Um, we had young ladies that won 52 9, 53 in that hallway. We had guys won 48 9 and 49s out of that hallway. We had Amani Payton, who was a, one of the great, he's, he's, the, he's actually the, the Chicago Public League record holder in the 300 and hurdles and the 110 hurdles wow. out of that hallway. Um, and so we had, we had a string of about four or five years where we had, we brought um, all uh, state, state uh, what is it, state All Americans or all state runners back every year. Hmm. Um, whether it was an individual or a relay every year for a run of five or six years. And then, so, you know, that got there, that was all about getting kids, changing their mindset. So I became, that became a place where I had to change mindsets mm-hmm. and show kids it was possible to get outside of those eight, nine blocks of the West side of Chicago. So wow. I'm curious, you talk about mindset. I'm curious about your mindset when you're talking to a Derek and Springfield Southeast and ESL three, you're right. Giants, those guys, come on, man, they'll, they'll, they'll rival anybody out there. When you're going and observing practice and talking with them, it's more of a free flow exchange, right? So they, maybe they're doing a workout for the day. You get to ask questions. Well, Hey, why did you do this? What would you do if this happened? Right? So it's more of a back and forth as you were going through the coaching education, which is more of an input only system, right? The, mm-hmm. the teachers up there teaching and you're writing notes and all that kind of stuff. What was your mindset because you you only have what you did in the past as a comparison. So yeah. when they were talking about, hey, if you're not doing fly work for speed, you're not really doing speed and you have to do acceleration first. What was your, were there any aha moments and or was there any pushback in your head where you just like, you know what, nah, that's not passing my smell test because I just jumped in the hurdles and I did well. So I don't think you need to do these drills or whatnot. What was your mindset going through that coaching education program? Man, to be honest, my mindset going through all of that um, was like, what the hell are y'all talking about? Like, I don't know what any of this is. Like, like this is great to have, but like now looking back, because I've learned more, I understand it. But when I took level one, I left level one still not knowing what I needed to do. Like I had the information, but I didn't know how to implement it. Mm. So that's when I was like, okay, cool. Now I, I need to start asking questions, right? Um, because level one, I went, I did the classes. Um, I also went, it was the same time as my first son. It was his birthday weekend. So we was there with my family. So I, I was I was there, but I wasn't there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but out of that, I learned about the convention. Mm. And so the convention, the, the level one sparked my interest. The convention is where I got to sit around coaches and just listen to them talk about implementation of this stuff and how to do it and why to do it. And so once I got that part, I jumped back into coaching education with a different eyesight and a different mindset of, um, okay, now this makes sense. Now this is why we do speed early or this is why we do short to long. This is why we do different things. And for me, I still had to make it fit in that hallway at North London. Right. 
I, I love oh. I love how you put that that you know even after level one so you got the ideas and the reasoning but you didn't know how to implement it I I kind of thought about it like in a cookbook sense it's like oh you got the ingredients but yep. you still didn't know how to cook yep. and, and more specifically your kitchen your fifty meters yep. in the hallway is different than the guy who has a full indoor track or or doesn't have to do indoor track at all because he or she's in Florida or Texas and so they yep. only do it's outdoor. Different. Now you get the ingredients. How do I cook in my kitchen? Yep. And so for me, it came out to be one of those things where that worked well, but at North Lundell, I didn't need to use a lot of that because all I did at North Lundell was I put the chip on all of their shoulders about every time, because every time we would go to a meet, they would get upset because we get to a place and these schools got these great 200 meter tracks and they got the uniforms and things. So I use the, okay, we're just going to put a chip on their shoulder and just make them want to do better like just want to just show that they can do better right and so my guys team was tremendous they were they were all athletes um they all had a cocky attitude <laughs> um and they all wanted to beat everybody that we ran against so every so anything we did with them worked right um i have a, i was in south carolina a couple of weeks ago at the south carolina clinic and coach gilbert uh co coach uh carol said um mm -hmm. she quoted a quote from um, one of her mentors, and it was, uh, she, quoted, she quoted a quote from Tony Wells, and it was, uh, any fool can coach another fool for two years. What do you do in that year three? Because if, 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 if a kid's never done anything and they just do it repeatedly, they're going to get better. What happens when that stops working? And that's why I was at at North London. First two years, we were getting better, but it was like, okay, not working. So that's when I started reaching out to um, people that I consider my mentor now, uh, Kareem Jackson at Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. um, so I said, cause he's from, you know, Chicago. Mm -hmm. I, he's recruiting my kids and started talking to him about training theory and how to implement stuff. He was really instrumental in, in getting me like on the path to understanding how to put my workouts together. Mm -hmm. And so once I started doing that and then going to the clinic, listening to coaches and just talking to people, cause I'm from Georgia. I'm from the South. I speak to everybody. It's it's a habit. It's just how I was born. I, I don't, you know, you can tell me, no, I came from a football world where in the football world, coaches didn't really talk like that. They just either wouldn't respond to you or, or they wouldn't give you anything. Track and field is so different, man. Coaches will give you everything under the sun because we also understand if you don't understand the why, it's not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I learned that. I started asking what, I started asking why a lot. <laughs> Are you at this point so, so how many years are you at North? Uh, well, I spent eight years at North Lindale. So are you now track coach Johnson or are you still coaching football? No, at, at that point, the last, my last four years at North Lindale, I was the head football coach as well. Um, okay. And so we did. And so we did, we did. And by that time I had started a youth club as well. So I was literally coaching. I heard somebody else say this. I was literally coaching 13 months out of the year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm literally going, I was going, feels I, like was, that. I was going, I was going June to October with football, mm -hmm. October to, to, to August with track, mm -hmm. because we would go, mm -hmm. we start indoor club, run indoor club, run high school season, run outdoor club, all the way to the junior Olympics, and then back to, um, back to football season. So I did that for four years. And then I stepped away. I got um, my mentor, LaKel Pratt, who ended up, her husband, ended up working football over at Homewood Flossmore High School. She calls me one day at the blue and said, hey, Homewood Flossmore High School is looking for um, a girls coach. Um, would you be interested? I was like, um, I like North London. I don't know where Homewood Flossmore is at. She was like, 
don't worry, I've already told the AD that you'll be interested. Um, he'll be giving you a call. Um, and so the AD called me like like 30 minutes later, brought me in for an interview. And uh, two days later, I had the job. And we packed up the family and moved the family from the city of Chicago out to the south suburbs, which for me was a great move. Um, but that move came with a lot of expectation and it came with a different set of challenges. Um, Before you move out to HF, were you, when you were that football coach all the way through and you're the head football coach, did you mimic your high school coach? Did all your guys and gals, I guess guys in football, but uh, did you tell them, Hey, you have to run track? Well, I did. I got a lot of pushback from some of the parents um, because Football and track doesn't go hand in hand in Chicago. Um, they they think they got to go to all of the comp, the football combines and all these things to make teams and and, and get themselves recruited. Mm. But our football slogan my last two years was "Welcome to our track meet." Um, we ran <laughs> we ran a spread offense and we would sometimes put four and five wide receivers on the field and we would spread you out from bottom of the number to bottom of the number. Now, at this time, I had kids that I had 10 fives and 10 sixes and 10 fours and 21 low um, track kids playing football. And so welcome to our track meet. I welcome love to our track meet. We were we were a we were a 80 percent passing team hmm. that spread you out. And we won a lot. We won more than we lost. We made the state playoffs two years in a row. Wow. Um, we actually won a state playoff game from a little bit of old tiny wow. school on the west side of Chicago with. 150, 190 kids. And because it was a charter school, we got bumped up to, we should have probably been a 2A or a 3A school. We played 5A and 6A football. Mm. So we was in the 5A state playoffs um, my first my first year there. Wow. And then my second year there, we were in the 6A playoffs and won a first round game. Um, and so it's, um, we got through the city playoffs as well. But it was, for me, it was, for me, football was really simple at this point. It was, we're going to spread you out. I have more speed than you. If you send more people than you're going to cover, you're going to pay for it because we're just going to dump it off in the flats and we're going to play in space. And that's what we did a lot. Like, like we had guys that were tremendously fast. So, so I'm going to save all your football talk for a different football <laughs> podcast as much as I love football absolutely, and ran the spread offense when I was in high school, but I was an offensive lineman. So my X's and O's are a little bit different. Um, but when you go to Homewood Flossmore, so you become the girls head track coach. Did you I become also, the, I become the girls head track coach only, um, no, no and, football coaching. Um, so there's the thing I was, I was hadn't planned on. I was done with football. I was done with football coach buzz. Who's the, who was the head coach at Homewood Flossmore high school. Saw me in the hallway one day, walking through the building. He was like, I heard you was a football coach. I was like, yes, sir. I need a new freshman coach. I don't want to coach football. I don't want to coach football. And he's like, well, we need a new freshman coach. So then I ended up being the freshman defensive coordinator for two seasons at home for Austin High School. So again, another mindset question. That seems like a pretty big deal for a football coach who is also a track coach. And, and, and it kind of maybe sounds like you were call it 50 50 you weren't 80 percent a football coach like it was no, kind no. of 50 50 I was, you, I, was, you, I was probably i was at this point in time when i got the hf i was probably 70 30 track football well no no maybe 100 zero because you said you decided you were not coaching football i, I, I know they brought you back in football. that feels like was, that was a big decision i was not well it was well part of, and, and and i can be honest about this part of that decision to coach football was money when i left home with Flo, when i left north Lundell prep to go to home with Flossmore High School, they didn't have a teaching position in the building. And so I took a TA position. So I went from 52,000 to 17,000. Mm. And with the wife and four kids moving to the South Suburbs, 
income was needed. So they pay pretty well, coaches in the South Suburbs. So I took the coaching job, but it was one of those things where I was like, I really don't want to do this. But it's freshman football, so it's not very difficult. I don't mm-hmm. care what anybody says, it's not difficult. Um, so we and, and we and, and we had success. Mm-hmm. But my main goal was track, but that was um homework Frostmore brought different a different challenge. Now it was like, okay, you're taking over a program that has always been talented, has always had talented kids, but could never get over the state hump. Like they've always gotten state, but they've never brought the state trophy back, right? And so in three seasons, we went second, second, and won a state title. Um, so, so what what did you bring differently than what they had done in the past? Um, I, I think I just brought a different demand. Like I demanded you come to practice. I demanded that we do every rep. I demanded that you hit your times. I tell people all the time, I'm a very hard coach to work for because I feel I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm going to give you everything that I got. I'm expecting you to give me the same thing. And I think we just created competition. Hmm. We created, we had so many girls that were fast. Um, And then we also did summer track together. So the bulk of our team ran with us together in the summertime. So we all got better together. And just me knowing more about track and then really being able to use a lot of stuff that I learned through my process at North Landale. But now I have a 200-meter indoor tractor practice zone. I got oh. a wonderful outdoor tractor practice zone. So now I can actually break out some of the, some of the workouts and some of the, the, um, the terminology and different things to use it because I have, I have the space to use it now. You did eight years in a hallway, and then yep. you get the, the mother load. Not only do you have an outdoor facility, but you have an indoor facility. Indoor, yes. Did, how much did you struggle because you've got a system now in place after eight years. Uh, how, how much did you struggle now having more resources available to you to changing up your um, um, your workouts to fit the, the facility? I, that, that first, I'll say the first, I'll say like the first month or two, I, I was still coaching as if I had just a straightaway, right? Mm-hmm. And then it was like, I was talking to, I was talking to Kareem. Kareem was like, at this point now, I've had a chance to meet more coaches because I've had a lot of coach kids recruited. So now I have a, a Rolodex of coaches I can just call. Mm-hmm. Talking to Kareem, he came up one day, one weekend he came up because at, at that time we had, um, he had Gabby DeRose, one of my young ladies. So he was in town for Christmas break. So he came by and he saw what he was doing. He was like, coach, you got all of this space. What are you doing? I was like, this is what I know. He was like, well, no, you know more than this open up those thousands of notebooks that you have. Cause I'm, I'm still old school. I still write stuff down. Um, I, all my workouts are still in notebooks. Like I have like, it's, it's bad. It's just, just, just know it's bad. Um, but um, so he was like, use what you have now. And so then that was like a, um, a aha moment. Mm. And so we went back to, they came back from Christmas break and that was like, okay. Now we're doing the 250s and now we're doing the 300s and the broken 400s and we're not doing we're no longer doing the 400 the hard way. We're no longer doing four, uh, 10 times 40 meters because that's all the space we got. Um, but yeah, it, so it, 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 it took until Coach Kareem was like, use this track. And I was like, okay. What a, what a great example of outside positive influences, right? Sometimes we, oh, can, absolutely. sometimes we can get in our own box and it's like, yeah, yeah, but my system works. Yeah, but it's great to have those people that we can trust that come from the outside and go. I mean, something pretty simple, right? He didn't. Yeah, he didn't rewrite the uh, Ten Commandments here. He's like, hey, you got a lot of room here. Use what you got. Like you, you have more up here in your head. Use what you got so you can actually use it. And you're like, 
Uh, oh yeah, I guess that's right. I do. Because <laughs> we was we were still doing. I was still doing my my one fifties by doing fifty fifty fifty. Um, just because wow. I had gotten so used to get, I had gotten so used to doing it. Like the year Brianna DeRozos ran forty uh, fifty three zero, she did that by doing. She would do sometimes four and five sets of four hundred the hard way. Like that was her practice. That, like that was her Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And then we'd dump her in these cold tubs that we went and bought the rubber made trash cans. We would dump her in those on Wednesday. And then we'd go back to work on Thursday. So when I got the HF, I'm doing that. And the kids were running well, but it's like, this is such a hard way to do it. And Kareem was like, why don't you just do the broken 400s? Now you have the space. And I sat back and I was like, He's right. He's a, he's a genius. He's a genius. Why didn't I think of this? Let's okay. No more. No more making you run down and back on a straightaway. We have space now. So it's you know it's it's um, but I I've evolved that way, man. I, I've been so blessed to have coaches that I could call and talk to, and um, they could just tell me the honest truth because they know I'm going to listen. And so it's it's you know it's, it's it's been a blessing. You're making you made a lot of hayway in the in the former high school and now at HF you have success at the state level. Was there anything at this point in your head? Because you know, spoiler alert, you're a college coach now. Was there anything at this point that you were thinking like, I really want to coach college, or are you still 100? Yeah, I love coaching high school. I'm going to no, continue I, this route. I I have been trying to get into college coaching um, since 2015. Hmm, why? Um, because I felt. I felt that I, I wanted to know if what I was doing at the high school level could work at the college level. Mm. That was my biggest thing. It was like, okay, at this time, by 2015, I probably had one of the, the larger youth clubs in the city. Um, by, by that time, we had about 95 uh, high school athletes from across CPS running for us in the summertime. Mm-hmm. And so every summer, we're, we're taking 30, 40 kids from the city of Chicago to the Junior Olympics. Um, and we're bringing back all Americans and kids are good, kids are getting scholarships. And, um, and so we, I wanted to know if I could do it. Right. Mm-hmm. But once again, having a family, mm-hmm. um, having a wife that worked in the city of Chicago and didn't really want to leave at the time, um, just nothing really came to fruition that made sense financially. Mm-hmm. And so we stuck with it. Um, and then when I got to HF, after we won a state title, my wife, my wife, Kareem Jackson, Lamont Johnson, they all were like, it's time. It's, it's, it's time. This job's open. It's time. And so um, Jeff Fellows, who's the head coach at Aurora University, um, was looking for a sprint coach in 2018. So um, a friend of mine, Pierre, who's a high school coach here at St. Rita, he was like, hey, I, went, I know Jeff. I, I, I ran with Jeff in college. Let me give him a call and see if he's looking for a coach. So he called him, told me to apply. Went in for the interview. He brought me in for his um to, to coach his sprinters and the hurdlers, coach his long sprinters and and the men and women hurdlers, and then you know it 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 worked out because of the time of practice. I was able to stay at the middle school I was working for, and so I didn't have to figure out a salary because it was a stipend position. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know it was uh my wife was okay. Listen, let's we can figure this out. Let's make it work. If you're gonna coach college, we know we got to start somewhere. So let's figure it out. Got the first semester. Got the got the indoor season in. Completely got done with indoor, getting ready for nationals. Then COVID hits mm. and they cancel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, so I'm at that point, okay, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going back to a road next fall. We'll keep, we'll get it going. Uh, the Benedictine job opened up and it was, I saw it posted as the Benedictine women head coaching job. And so now I'm looking and I saw the men's job. 
And I was like, I really like coaching women. So I think I'm going to apply for the women's job. Um, and so I applied for the women's job. Um, and I had a, I had a goal in my head that I set back in like 20, 2012, 2013, that if I was going to coach college track, I wanted to coach college track by the time I turned 40. I wanted to be in college track by the time I turned 40. Um, my birthday is October 23rd. I got the Benedictine head coaching job October 21st. Um, and so I got that job. I headed off to Vegas for my birthday and nice. as a college head coach and came back and you know, we started the season, got the job in October, couldn't start training until January because of COVID. We had six, we had six young ladies on the team. <laughs> and so then it goes back to the year before, the two years before I had a four by 14 that ran 346. And now I'm at a school where I don't have four young ladies that can run 430. So now my whole mindset has to shift again to how do I coach this? What do I do? How can I make an impact here? How can we grow this program? Um, all those thoughts went through my head as soon as that first day of practice. It was like, okay, here we go. We're back to pre-North Lundell days. How do I fix this? And so, you know, we just went to work and we, that those group, those young ladies got better over that first year. And now this year we have 24 in the program. Um, I learned that I can recruit a little bit. So, um, you know, it's, 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 it's been a good journey so far and we're in year two right now. So, you know, because of all the things that are involved being a head, not even a head, but a college coach. Uh, and what I mean by that is not just coaching, right? We wish sometimes it was just being yes. on the track and coaching, but you know, there's recruiting, there's scheduling, there's budgeting, uh, alumni relations, uh, work within the athletic department amongst other coaches and staff. There's so much more because of all of that. I think there are a lot more high school coaches that should and could be considered for college positions. What did you find as someone who did so far in their career, a bulk of their coaching on the high school level, what have you found the most difficult transitioning to a college coach? Um, the most difficult part for me, I, I, I would probably say the politics of it sometimes. Um, I, 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 I don't know how to do politics, um, but it's for me, everything else is coaching. Like I'm, I spent the last nine, 10 years making my own schedule, booking my own travel, um, doing my own uniform orders and budgets. So that stuff was easy for me at the college level. It was the things with the academic support people, um, uh, the financial aid office, the business office, stuff like that, that were, that was a foreign thing to me because I, I, knew, I knew it from the outside, but being on the inside of it and not understanding everything they have to do and everything that needs to be done um, because as a getting a head coaching job in the middle of a pandemic, when pretty much everybody is pretty much working from home, um, you don't learn a lot of those things and you're not taught a lot of those things because it's not a priority almost because there's people not thinking about it because they're not in the office. Mm -hmm. And so right. for, for me and for Gabe Reville, who's the men's coach, it was learning a lot of stuff on the fly. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's been the biggest challenge. Like this is you too, but we're still learning things on the fly right. um, just because we still haven't really been in the building full time yet. Like we're back, we're back remote right now until February. Mm. So it's 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 um you know it's, it's those that was the biggest challenge for me. It's just learning, learning how to be a college coach working in the office, mm. um because I'm not an office person. Like, and then with Division Three not being able to really start training until October, mm -hmm. sitting in the office trying to find stuff to do. 
not the funnest thing to do. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to coach, but yeah, being a college coach is got to do the work part too, I guess. <laughs> Growing up through your coaching career, you gave a lot of examples of reaching out to Derek Calhoun and Kareem Jacksons. Who have you reached out? How have you now switched that? That's a really great mindset. How do you switch that mindset to, okay, I don't necessarily need to reach out to coach so-and-so to talk about X's and O's, but I need help in this transitioning to becoming a head coach and a college coach. Is, has there been people that you've reached out that have really helped you on that format of your um, Lamont Johnson. Hmm. that's that's my guy we, we got close um, he, he's recruited several of my kids in high school and so him and I have gotten close but I call him and I just get yelled at and because you know he talks loud and so <laughs> he likes to he, he likes to raise it he still holds the uh, record for the longest Gill Connections podcast so yeah yeah no I, I, I know it very I well it. I believe it <laughs> we went to South Carolina we went to South Carolina to the convention to, to the uh, coaching clinic together hmm. and so we we I, I stayed in North Carolina I stayed in Charlotte so we drove from Charlotte to South Carolina. Mm. On day two, he pretty much yelled at me from the time we left to the time we got back to Charlotte. So it was two hours straight of him nonstop. So yes, but no, he's been a he's been a great help with um, awesome. just telling me, man, Jay, just listen, just do this. Okay, I'm gonna do this, man. You gonna miss this? Okay, I got you. And so it's, it's been. If I need to vent, that's what I call because I know he's going to make me shut up and listen because mm -hmm. um, he'll just over talk me. <laughs> and so it's just... that's how I know, you know, the real mod right there. That's like, OK, you are friends with him. OK, you know, yeah, he'll, he'll just over talk me until I listen. So and, but, but but it's good because I need it because I'll get into my moods where I don't want to listen mm. because I don't want to really hear it. I just want stuff to be done sometimes. And so, um, yeah, he's been he's been like my number one person I call. Um, when I have issues or when I don't understand why something is going on because he's been through it. Um, and so, but yeah, that's, that's the main person. Then of course, Kareem, like those are my main two people, anything um, on the track wise, I'll call Chris Bass. Um, mm -hmm. Just, it's, you know, I'm, I don't know, man. I, I, I talk to so many people. I call people all the time. I text people. Um, and it's not just X's and O's anymore with me. It's, Hey man, how y'all doing? How the family doing? It's um, it's gotten to the point where we've gotten past track with some of these people. It's, it's mm -hmm. these are actually genuinely people that I care about and care about their families. So, you know, it's it's, it's been a blessing these last 12, 13 years. Speaking of family, you've mentioned your wife and a couple of the kids in general in passing through here. It seems like you have an amazing support system with your family. I, I we are a track family. My wife was a um, track athlete um, growing up, um, oh, yeah. and, and and all four of my kids run. My oldest um, is a freshman with me at Benedictine. Um, for some strange reason, she decided she wanted to be a multi kid, so she's a multi. Um, <laughs> I mean, she ran the multis in youth level, and she said, "Hey, I want to do the multis in college." Yeah. I bet it, baby. Um, <laughs> and then my five year old runs my my. Now 10 years, she, she just today, so actual birthday. So she turned 10 today. Oh, and then my uh, and then my um my 11-year-old son, they all run. And so yeah, they've um my 11 year old son, when I was coaching high school track, he has he been to the he's been to the state meet every year since he's born. Mm -hmm. Um so he's been to the state meet, I, I want to say 10 years in a row. Um, my wife typically comes down it. They typically come to meet. Um, so we're a track family. It, it, it works out because I spend so much time when I was a high school coach, I spent so much time on the road mm -hmm. between high school meets and club meets. 
And it always worked out because the family was there because they all ran as well. Um, but yeah, my wife definitely supports what I do. Um, I could not do what I do and the amount of time I spend with it without her being okay with it. Um, How do you, as a self-described track family, do you ever have fears? So, you know, your, your full-time job is coaching track. She was a track athlete. All the kids are running tracks. You're doing club and high school recruiting and college. And I'll have to assume that anytime track is on TV, you're watching the Prefontaine, the Olympic trials, Olympics, et cetera. Do you ever have any concerns? And if you don't, what are you doing to divert it to get away from just burnout that track on your head 24 seven is not necessarily a healthy thing. What other activities or hobbies do you guys do? Uh, so for us with the kids, we don't talk track at home. Okay. Like everybody, like everybody acts cause, cause, cause my kids are really, really good. Um, they, I'm just, it is what it is. My, my five-year-old is a sub 11 second, 60 meter runner. He's a sub 30. He's a sub. What is it? He went 30, 37, in the 200 over the weekend, he's five. Um, my 11 year old son is 102 and in the four and he went 851 in the 60 over the weekend. And then my 10 year old daughter is 11 foot long jumper. Um, people always wanna know, what are you doing with them? Nothing. <laughs> like once we, when we leave track practice, that's it. Yeah. We don't talk track. Uh, matter of fact, my, my 11 year old son and my five year old son don't even watch it on TV. My my ten year old she'll watch it on TV because she just loves long jump. She'll watch it, um, but we don't talk track. We don't do the extra stuff at home. Um, I'm I'm real because I've taken the level two youth certification and things like, and, and 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 really studied the youth because I was coaching youth. Um, I'm really big on letting kids be kids once they get done with their season. Like we'll wrap up indoor season next weekend, and my kids won't do anything with track until. My middle schooler, he'll start middle school track in March. The other two won't do anything with track until they go summer season in, in, the, in the middle of May. Uh, my daughter plays lacrosse. My five-year-old is getting ready to start karate. So we keep them in other things. Oh, yeah. um, but it's, it's I'm coach at practice. When I get in the car, I'm dad. We're not even talking track. Like we, we, we rarely, like we'll, we'll debrief their meets. And then after that, Go be a kid. Go play Oculus. Go play Xbox. Leave me alone. Um, as far as me to avoid burnout, I'm a movie person. Hmm. Um, Pre-pandemic, I'd go sit at the movies on the weekend. Like on a Sunday, I'll go after church. I'll go sit at the movies like the rest of the day. I'll go hmm. watch two or three movies. Hmm. Um, now that I'm home and everything's on TV, I think we have every movie and streaming service you can have. Um, <laughs> Paramount, Net, all of it. We just, yeah. I just sit and watch movies. So like I, and, I, I, and I'm a really bad binge watcher. Mm. So like I binge watch TV shows. And like, if I really like the show, I'll binge watch it again. So it's like, yeah, I'll lock myself in the loft and I'll just watch TV. What are you binging right now? I am binging Shooter right now. I am rewatching the 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 TV show Shooter. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the move. So the movie Shooter with um, I don't remember who star what the movie was, but they had a TV show that came on USA. So I'm, I'm binge watching that right now. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm in season two of that. So and what's your what all I'm, all time favorite movie? Uh, all time favorite. Oh my god, all time favorite movie. I don't know. I, I'm a comedy person, so probably Harlem Nights. Mm -hmm. It's probably like one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. um, Life. Um, it's, I'm a, I like comedies and action movies. So anything comedy, anything action, I'll probably watch it. Um, if my wife wants to watch something, there's probably some type of romantic comedy that I probably fall asleep on. 
Um, but yeah, I'm I'm an accident come, but that's that. So that's my downtime. Uh, I, I've learned. Are you at the house right now? Yes, I am. So if you're watching on YouTube, when he just said, "If my wife is watching something, it's probably some rom com that I'm falling asleep." He turned his head. <laughs> she must be around or close. You're like no, she. So so this? I'm in the so I'm downstairs and she's upstairs. She's yeah. probably still asleep. Um, no, she you, she you, doesn't have classes. So she's probably still asleep. You kind of just come down the steps. <laughs> yeah, so you kind of did that. Look like I didn't get caught. Okay, good. No, I'm good. I'm good. You know she's gonna listen to this, so um, I'll, make, I'll make sure I'm talking over that part of this. <laughs> You're like, let's just pass this part. Mike was saying some stupid. I don't know. Just pass, pass, pass. Just fast forward that. So let's talk about Benedictine University. You mentioned at the top of the show, you're the women's head track coach, which means yes. there's a men's head coach. And you kind of alluded, is there a head cross country coach? Yes. So, so when the last coach left Benedictine, Benedictine, um, the university, they wanted to, they want, they one want, they wanted to build a, a stronger women's program. And so the best way they felt that was, was to split the programs up. So it was a combined program. It was a combined program and, split. and they split it. And that's the yeah. opposite of the direction most track programs are running. They're going from split programs to combine to combined yes. programs. Interesting. Yes. And so my, so my, my, my technical official title is I am the women's head track and field coach and I am the men's assistant sprints and hurdles coach. Okay. I coach, I coach all of the men and women mm. uh, hurdlers, okay. long sprinters. And then I coach the women short sprinters and coach Gabe, who is the men's head coach coaches hit the men's short sprinters and um, all of the jumpers long, triple and high. And I coach the pole vaulters. Um, uh, give me Gabe's last name. Uh, Gabe Rivera. Yeah. So he came from out in California. Yes. He was, he, well, he's originally from Illinois. He was yeah. at UIC for a while and he was That's in, right. he went to California and he came back home. Yep. Gabe was uh, instrumental in us getting, um, of course, now I'm brain farting here. Uh, the longtime USC head coach uh, that we had on the podcast. I'm embarrassed that I cannot <laughs> think of his name. Long time. I mean, he was there forever. Was Long Beach um, uh, Community College coach, Long Beach State, yep. and then uh, long time, uh, highly successful head coach at USC. And uh, that I can't think of his name, and I'm embarrassed. But Gabe uh, <laughs> came highly recommended uh, for him and for others. So that's awesome. So how do you is is Gabe head men's track coach? in director or is there a director or it, there's is, not a director it's just it's just three separate head coaches so, so we basically run our own programs okay so how and what i mean by that that's where i was going to go with this is so there how do you make decisions on the training seems like the easy part because y'all have your yep. assigned event areas that seems like the super easy part you coach your jumpers this way i coach my sprinters this way we, we move mm -hmm. on how do you decide on where are we going for track meets uh where we're staying how we're traveling so things so like this that is how, so this is how it works um so we both so we both have different we, we both have separate budgets there's a men's budget there's a women's budget mm -hmm. um but because the women's team was so small and the guys team was larger. We just traveled together because it was cheaper. Um, now, as we grow and I ended up getting more women in the program, we, we may end up splitting up going to different meets at some point in time. Right now, it's um, I typically, uh, Gabe takes care of the buses and, and talks to those people. I take care of all hotels and, and any other, other travel stuff. Um, and then we'll kind of, if he takes care of lunch, I'll take care of breakfast or or dinner or something like that. So we, I mean, him and I work really well together. It, it, it works perfectly for us um, right now. It works really well because like I said, my team is so small that we could all uh, sit on one bus together. 
But hopefully next season when we're at around 40 to 45 young ladies, we, that won't be the case. And so it might become a little bit more difficult. We might end up going to, to different meets. Um, I don't know. But right now it just it works out perfectly because of the size of the program. Uh, I had to look it up because I was very embarrassed. Ron, Ron Alice, Ron, a okay. long time USC coach, had an amazing career there. Uh, he was on the podcast. You got to go listen to it. It was amazing. He, Absolutely. He almost beat Lamont's record for length, actually. I, I mean, his career ah. was so outstanding. And uh, I was just so humbled he would spend that much time with us. Ron, Ron I, I, I want to say, did, did Lamont run for him? I think Lamont might have ran for him. No, because uh, uh, you know what? Maybe because of the LBCC, because the community yeah. college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The community college. Yeah. Uh, yeah, possibly. You know, it would take me a couple of days to go through Lamont's podcast to figure that out so we'll just say yes because lamont's been everywhere um exactly. he'll, co he'll correct both of us if it's not I'm you know sure. you know he is right now on his twitter you sons of yeah, he's <laughs> you guys us. calling me out i know i know where you're at mine it's all yep. good, big. i love you i love you so yeah how, how does that i mean is you start to plan future and sometimes that's hard especially in covid times right like you know yeah. we're talking about we, we don't even have practice right now because of things that are going on how does that how do you guys start planning together what that might not not might that look how that might look like because you are you are 100 coach you are going to have a bigger and better squad yeah. so if you start splitting well then who coaches the male hurdlers when you're and, not at the and, meet things like that and and that's the thing that that's the reason why we probably want as much as i may want to sometimes mm -hmm. um we probably want the good the good part about it is he and i are both have similar mindsets about where we want to uh, run at, right? Mm -hmm. We know the first couple of weekends of outdoor season, we want to get south or we want to go to the West Coast. We know mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. So that, so, so that, you know, we, we have that same idea of not wanting to run in the cold those first couple of weekends of outdoor season. And so that would be, because indoor season, we don't have a, we don't have many choices being a D3 school. Right. So, um, we can't go to the West Coast to run indoor season, just don't have the budget. So most of our indoor meets will be in Michigan, will be in Wisconsin. So outdoors will be the only place where we might split up. Um, but because I'm so, so anal about my hurdlers and my long sprinters doing anything without me, mm -hmm. it'd be hard for me to say, okay, let's book this meet and, and I go over here and you go over there. Right. Um, it's it's like, I, I feel I have to be there in warm-ups, in practice, and at meets for my hurdlers and my long sprinters, or something's not going to go right. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's it'll be very hard for us to split. Like I said, it's it's great that he and I get along so well um, because, like I said, we sim we've kind of it kind of just happened where we basically split up roles of, of who's doing what in this process, and it was never a sit down where it was like, okay, well, I'm gonna do this, you do that. We just kind of both started taking on roles and like he's been a college head coach longer than me so he's familiar with most of the paperwork so i'm like hey have at it i'll take care of travel hmm. you want to take care of paperwork with people in the office knock yourself out i'll i'll watch you <laughs> if you if you ever get in conflict where it's like you know he wants to go to this meet or you want to go to that meet or i want to stay in this hotel he wants to stay in the hotel rock paper scissors one one time winner takes all you can move on. That way you're not I'm wasting like, time on decisions that really don't matter in the I'm long just, game. I'm going to just challenge him to a hurdle race. Oh, okay. He's a, he's a short sprinter. I'm going to just challenge him to a hurdle race. In today's Instagram Live and Twitter Live, please make sure 
that oh there's a there's a whole there's a there's a twitter video of me out doing hurdles when i was at hf um yeah i can still hold it a little bit all right everybody go google that right (laughs) now we've got to find that Coach, as we uh, start wrapping up today, you said something earlier that I wanted to make sure we touched on, I, and it really, this is all selfish reasons for me. You said you're a reader, a reader or audiobook guy. That's all reading to me. What, what are you reading or have read that we should be oh, reading right now? So I came into this year, I had a goal of, I was going to, I'm, well, not go, I'm going to try to do a book a week, um, mm-hmm. audio book a week. And so I put out on Twitter, I asked people to send me, yeah, that's uh, right. send, send me mm-hmm. books, um, things. And so the first book of the year that I read was um, uh, Shoe Dog, the Phil Knight book. Oh, that was good. Um, it's a really good book. Like I'm a, I'm a huge Nike person, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. to hear that to hear that story, it worked out. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, the one I'm starting, the one I started last night was Atomic Habit. Yeah, another so, good one. And so my goal is to I have so I have about an hour and twenty minute, hour and thirty minute commute to and from work every mm-hmm. day. And so most of the time, I don't like. I don't like today's music for the most part. So I don't listen to it. Normally, normally I'm either listening to gospel or I'm riding in silence. Mm-hmm. And so I said, let me fill that time. And or, so or, um, or listening to the Gill podcast. He forgot to put that in there. Sorry. I listen to, no, you guys are normally only in my office. Like you guys are you guys are screenshotted on my desktop, seriously. Um, and and I list that's what I do in the office because I don't have any other work to do. So I'm just <laughs> sitting in the office and listening to podcasts. Like seriously, I I most days I'm the, the podcast is on or somebody's podcast is on in my office, seriously. Um, and so I, you know, I, I got the idea. I want to be a better person this year. Forget necessarily being a better coach. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to happen if, if I keep working. Yep. Um, but let's, let's, let's open my mind and let's do something that I haven't done ever. I don't think in my entire life I've read, 52 books Mm -hmm. just being honest Mm -hmm. and I was like "Mm." at 41 years old there's a lot of good knowledge out there that I'm missing Mm -hmm. because like when I took Sean Sean Venable was the Mm -hmm. my level two coach for both uh sprints and hurdles and jumps Mm -hmm. and he gave us tons of books right and so I have to go back and find the list but I'm gonna gonna work my way through that list as well Mm -hmm. um but um Right now, I'm on Atomic Habit, and the goal is to, to read the book, listen to the book. When I get done, give a small review on, on my Twitter page, uh, give it a rating, um, and kind of that's a way for me to hold myself accountable to uh, doing the book um, thing because, I don't know, man. It's like I just, that's an hour and a half every day mm-hmm. that I'm doing absolutely nothing productive but driving home. Well, <laughs> I think your goal of becoming a better person is going to absolutely make you a better coach because you're a person before you're a coach. So I love, I love that you're diving into books on the, um, I'm going to say self-improvement side because of atomic habits, but shoe dog is definitely not a self-improvement. That's just a fun read and and, and educational in the sense of how someone started a business and went through the the troubles and and, uh, tribulations that uh, Phil did through that book. And definitely you're getting his side of it. So there's probably some things missing, but I agree. That that was actually the book that I was reading right as pendant. I was at the NCAA division one championships that got blocked because of COVID. That that was the book I was reading. So it always is in my head, but I love that you're reading those type of books, focusing on those and listening to those books and not necessarily the next uh, coaching book that comes out, which they're all awesome. And they would certainly help you become a better coach. But these other, the atomic habits and uh, maybe uh, 
I, you know, I'd recommend lead like a pro that we just had the author on, on the podcast. Yeah. I think somebody, somebody get, somebody gave me that one too. Yeah. I have a list somewhere that I got to find, but somebody get, so I had people give me some options on Facebook, yeah. I mean on Twitter. And so yeah. I wrote them down and I'm yeah. definitely going to be going through those books. Um, and the, and the other, you said lead like a pro. I'm writing it lead down like a now. pro. We had uh, Matthew Raidbar, Dr. Matthew Raidbar, on the podcast uh-huh. to start season three. So just a few weeks ago, and then another one and a guy that we had on the podcast, uh, lead for God's sake. Lead for God's sake. Yeah, okay, I'm Todd, writing that one down too. Todd Gongwer was actually the keynote speaker at USTF CCCA a few years ago, and he's written a book called Lead for God's Sake. Those two books highly highly recommend and we've had both authors on the podcast you could actually listen to the podcast and kind of understand the book before you read it and listen to it i'm gonna have to go check those out so i I got both of those down those will be in rotation that like i said and i'm standing by the way people i'm still taking nominations for books that i'm not at 52 yet so okay let's let's blow coach johnson out here tell us your twitter handle (laughs) i mean i'm actually i'm looking for it right now oh my goodness Um, it's probably it is it's probably an unknown number of z's in there no it is not it's very simple (laughs) It is Coach Z and the letter J. So one Z, one J. That is how you should have done the podcast. Thank you. That is it. All right. At Coach ZJ. That's pretty easy, right? Son Davis Johnson. Come on. We can remember that. Coach ZJ. I want you to right now open up Twitter and blow his mind. Give him your top three because he's got 52 i gotta feel I, I 52 but he needs and, to be able to have choices here on those 52 so he doesn't need just 52 recommendations he needs 520 and he picks the 10 best ones or 10 percent best ones. so coach zj on twitter go tell him right now what your top three book recommendations are so he can fill this up because he's got a goal and goals are important we want to help with goals. i gotta hit this goal i gotta but, hit this goal and my goal is to once I read it, like I said, I'll rate the book and then I'll give my kind of review of the book on Twitter um, and go from there. That, I like that. I said, for me, that holds me accountable because now people are expecting me to do it. So. And it brings more value to the world, right? So instead of just saying, yeah, this book I recommend because I listened to it for week 16, you're actually going to say, well, here's what I actually liked or didn't like of the yep. book. And so now someone else decides to pick it up and read it and they get better. So that's it's an exponential thing. It's something how we make good happen in the world, not just what we're doing, but with what we're doing out to the world. Absolutely. Dude, this was awesome, man. I'm so, uh, I didn't know we'd get a bunch of book recommendations going in, but we're going to have it right now. I I can't wait for people to give them your book recommendations. I love your journey in this great profession, man. I love that. It seemed pretty early in life. You were going to be a coach, but you didn't even know. And that's what I love that, you know, to see your path moving forward uh, and still so early in your path you're you're this is year three for college coaching this is this is year three for college yeah. coaching um my wife tells everybody that we know that she doesn't they always ask about retirement like i don't know why i have a bunch of 40 year old friends that ask about retirement my wife always tells them he probably not gonna retire and i tell her all the time i don't retire from what i'm i'm coaching <laughs> i there's nothing to retire from for me this is this is fun this is why i coach youth kids this is why i mm-hmm. this is why I, I have club track as well it's um this is genuinely fun for me. Like, this is my happy place. Like, track is coaching kids and coaching, you know, college. This is my happy place. It, 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 uh, it keeps me going. It keeps me young. And I don't know. This I, I, I don't see a finish line anytime soon. Um, now, my wife down the line might say it might, might have other plans. But as of today, 2022, I don't see a finish line. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's been amazing, man. And I, I think I've been truly blessed to be in a position to 
affect so many young lives and yes. now getting a chance to affect some of young adult lives. Yes. Um, I, I don't take that journey for credit at all. I mean, I don't take this journey for granted at all. Mm -hmm. um, it's, um, and I know it's just beginning, but I, I will say this, um, I will continue to bug coaches and continue to call coaches because there are things professionally that I do want to accomplish in this sport. Um, and, you know, outside of just recruiting kids and, and, and building a coaching resume, I want to be successful. I, I want to be, um, when it's all said and done, I want to be one of those coaches that get a, get a chance to walk across that stage at um, the convention, at the Hall of Fame at the end of the day. Um, that's, that's just, if I'm going to do this, I want to be one of the best to do it. That's how I felt when I played football, when I coached football. And I just brought that same football mentality over to be, if I'm going to do it, let's do it and be good at it. Let's not be mediocre. And so um, I, I would challenge anybody that's getting into coaching, especially young coaches, find people that have done this thing, mm. um, get up under them, ask questions, ask the wise, and get into coaching education. Mm. Um, even if you don't understand it at first, I promise you, you stay in this sport long enough, it will start to make sense. Mm. Because you will get an athlete that will make it make sense because you're like, oh, that's what they meant by do this, do that, because this athlete can do it. Um, I had plenty of high school kids that couldn't do some of the things that I was being taught in the beginning. But as we got going, I would get kids that could. Like when I got to North London, we didn't have kids that could run six 200s. They just physically couldn't do it because they, they didn't think it was possible because they never had to do it. Um, but by the time I left, they were able to go three times, three times, 200 meters on three minutes rest and thought it was a normal, normal practice. Right. Um, and so it's, um, just learn as much as you can, ask the why and, um, and enjoy it and, and continue to be, you know, positive lights for the young people. Cause that's what we're supposed to be outside of coaching. Like be that difference, make it be that change. That's uh, that's drop the mic stuff right there. That's super wise words. Make sure you stay educated and make sure you know your why, what you're doing, why you're doing it on a daily basis. Because that's that's what leads to 30, 40, 50, 60 year long careers. If you if you're in it for anything else, the careers get cut short. And, you know, Zontavius, we're just super excited to watch your career. You talk about walking across the stage one day at the convention. I can't wait to check back in with you in five, 10. It might not even, it might even take five years, boss, but I can't wait to check in with you one day and be like, Hey man, remember when you wanted to do that? Well, th there you are. You're up there. Cause there's no doubts uh, of what you're doing, where you're going and why you're doing it. And I'm just so thankful that you would share with us today. Your why, man, it was so awesome. Man, I'm glad you invited me on, man. It's um, It's been fun, and I look forward to hearing it and, you know, seeing the reactions of some people, because I know people, a lot of people don't know that I was, I, I was like all in with football. It mm -hmm. was, and I told them, I, I didn't start track until 2010. Um, and that's, and I, I didn't get serious about track until 2012. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, but now that I'm all in with it, y'all stuck with me. Awesome. Well, check, check out the show notes. We've got his podcast, which isn't active, but it's still out there. And he's had amazing guests. We're going to have that down in the show notes and hit him up on Twitter. Coach ZJ, only one Z. We just know it. It's that easy. Coach ZJ on Twitter. Give him a book recommendation or three and uh, check it out on Twitter. Zontavis, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
Absolutely. Have a good one. All right, you too. Mike, what an incredible journey Coach has been on. So awesome to hear their story in their own words. Tremendous proof of the positive effects coaches make on a daily basis. Help us spread the word of this great journey by sharing on your favorite social media channel. And don't forget to take a minute to rate and review the podcast. You just might get a shout out on a future episode. That's it for today. Join us next week when we'll connect you with another amazing coach.